Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. It is officially the beginning of December, the last and final month of 2022, and where has this year gone? I have no idea. This weekend was a holiday in the U.S. It was Thanksgiving weekend, and I personally took the time to reflect on this past year and think about what I learned, what I want to do differently, what I want to implement in my life, and as I was doing that, the topic of this podcast episode became so abundantly clear that topic is not taking shit anymore. And essentially what we're going to be talking about today is how to embrace a more powerful, embodied, proactive spirit into your life so that you are truly living for yourself and not for anyone else. It is about how you can remove all the toxic patterns out of your life so that you can really stand up for yourself and stand up for what you believe in and know to be true. This topic is especially timely because we are currently in Sagittarius season. What that means is that the sun is currently in the sign of Sagittarius, which imbues upon all of us collectively more Sagittarius energy. It allows us to pull the Sagittarian pieces of ourselves out into the surface. And I personally love this way of working with astrology, where I'm always aware of what season it is. Essentially, throughout the year, the sun goes from one sign to the next, spending about 30 days in each sign. We kick off the year in Capricorn season, then we move to Aquarius season, then Pisces, and so on and so on. And while the sun happens to be in each one of those signs, it's so helpful to think about the qualities of that sign and really embrace them in your own life because there are a lot of treasures and lessons to be found there. So if you know any Sagittarians, then you get the quality that I'm talking about. Sagittarians are amazing. They are lively, adventurous, They always speak their minds, no matter what the social conventions. So it usually results in them being pretty frank and direct, but also really hilarious as well. And the other side of Sagittarius is deeply philosophical. They are very in tune with their own sense of integrity, values, and morals. And that combination is what we're working with today. So how can you tune in into what you know to be true for yourself? And then secondarily, how can you empower yourself to always speak up for that? How can you stop taking shit in your life so that you can craft a unique living experience that really works for you? So what we'll be doing is working through four ways of doing this, four goals that I'm setting for myself and just talking about how you can implement them in your life as well. So the first one, just to jump in right away, is the idea of speaking your truth. If you see something, then you have to say it. To give a really fresh example of how this has popped up in my life, 
About a couple weeks ago, I went to a wedding of a close friend and it wasn't a great experience because I experienced so much racism during this wedding. It was wild. I won't give too many personal details, but the wedding was in Texas, even though it was in Austin, which is supposedly a fairly liberal city. A server at the reception refused to serve my husband on multiple occasions. She even said, I've already served you four times when he had never even seen her before. And he said, you know, I think you're confusing me with another brown person here. Then even later that night, he tried again. And again, she refused to serve him. And this was mind-blowing because both he and I have been in New York City for 15 years now. And we've been really lucky to live in a bubble where we're protected from a lot of this. So it was shocking. He was so upset. I was so upset. And he ultimately spoke to the manager and got this person kicked out so that she couldn't impose harm on anyone else. And on top of that, there were a couple of other incidents that happened in the same night. One was during a wedding speech that was very racist. And the second was on the late night bus to the after party where someone was very directly racist towards me. And so by the end of the night, he and I were feeling like, wow, it wasn't just one incident, but it was three. And in my heart of hearts, I obviously know that for anyone to be treated that way based on how they look, their race, et cetera, is so wrong, but it was very complicated and conflicting because we were also there to celebrate a couple that we know and we wanted to have a happy experience. We didn't want to cause a fuss for them. So for the majority of the night, I was smiling, having fun, brushing it all off to the side. But by the third time, it was really the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just couldn't keep my feelings in anymore. And I just went home. I didn't go to the after party, even though it was a close friend of ours. And I cried and I cried. I called a really good friend of mine. I talked to her about it. And that experience has really stuck with me for two weeks, which is a really long time for me to hold on to anything. But it was confusing because didn't quite know what to say or how to express myself and how to bring this up to the friend who I was at the wedding for because I also wanted him to have a really great and happy time. But what holding on to it has done is just made it fester within me because there's no outlet. So I've taken on these experiences that were really upsetting and then just continued to live with them. A big, big learning from this and for this year is that if there is something that happens that does not sit well with you, you have to say something about it right away. Otherwise, it takes up all the space in your mind and in your heart and in your emotions until it becomes a part of you. And this is something that I coach my clients on all the time, where I push them to have the direct conversation to say what is on their mind, to confront the other person if some other person is involved, because otherwise it just lives rent-free in their minds and takes up valuable processing energy that they could be using to do their jobs better. So often we hold back on speaking our truth because we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. And I definitely made some people feel uncomfortable that night after the third incident on the bus. I was very upset and I was talking to a group of people about it 
And they were mostly like, oh, get over it, Liz. Let's go dance. Let's have fun. Don't let him ruin your night. My reaction was certainly putting a damper on the festivities, but I had to say it because I actually wasn't the person that created those situations. So if other people were uncomfortable, then I thought, so be it, because I'm not the one at fault here. In fact, I'm the person who's been targeted, and thus I refuse to also be censored. So if there is something that is weighing on you, whether it's a behavior from a friend, a partner, a roommate, a parent, a boss, no matter how small, quote unquote, you believe it to be, you have to speak up for yourself. You have to live your truth because if you don't, it chips away at your own personal power. It lets the negative forces in the world win and it chips away at your happiness and well-being, whether you consciously are aware of it or not. So take a minute to reflect on some things that may need to be said in your life that haven't been said yet, and then put a plan in place, put them on your calendar, make time to share your experience with the person who needs to hear about them. Okay, so the second piece of this, the second way to stop taking shit in your life is to put an end to people-pleasing. There are so many of us out there who are deep empaths. We can really feel what other people are feeling. We sense their emotions even without them telling us. And it makes us especially vulnerable to people-pleasing because we know exactly what we can say or do to make the people around us feel better. The downside to having this knowledge or this awareness is that it often comes at the expense of our own needs and wants. So my big goal for 2023 is not only am I going to stop people-pleasing, but I'm also going to take it one step further and I'm just not going to care at all about what other people think about me. I already do this quite a bit because I've made it really a central tenet of the content I create. So when I sit down to record a podcast episode or to write my book or to write a newsletter, I consciously remind myself that I'm writing to express and I'm writing to help people. I'm not trying to tailor what my approach is so that it can be received in a certain way because that's not authentic. It doesn't work. It's not actually good to do that. And I know that in order to create my best work, I have to release myself from all the preoccupations of thinking about how my work might be received by others. But I'm still really guilty of people-pleasing in really minimal ways. So staying on phone calls or having conversations that I'm not getting energy from for much longer than I want to be because I know that the other person is driving energy from those discussions. I agree to doing things with my friends that I don't really want to do, And I tell myself, well, I don't really care that much, so we might as well do what they want to do. And I always wind up having a horrible time. And I'm also generally far too agreeable because the other person has a stronger opinion than I do, and I'd rather not get into a whole thing with them about it. So I just say, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever you want to do. And none of this has made me more empowered. It has just made me give too much attention to other people's needs instead of giving that attention back to myself. I'm so focused on what the other person needs that there's no space for the real authentic me to be in a dynamic with them. So what I want to encourage you to do over the next couple weeks is to pay attention to the tiny, tiny ways that you might be people-pleasing 
or overly fixated on other people's opinions. So tune in, slow down, and notice when you might do this in a conversation, on a date, in a work meeting. One of my favorite analogies that my therapist gave me was this idea that when you are in a discussion with someone else, then it's the two of you sitting with some space in between you, and there's an aisle going down the center. And you just want to notice if you are overreaching across the aisle into the other person's space to be amenable, to help them, and just stick to your side, right? Stay on your side of the aisle and see if you're overreaching and you're giving, 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 putting effort in and see if they're doing the same thing or not. And in that moment, pull yourself back to meet their level of effort into making you happy as well. Decreasing the amount of time and energy I spent thinking about other people and how much they thought about me was one of the best things that I ever, ever did in my life. And for me, this is really the hallmark of the difference of my 20s versus my 30s. My 20s were all about crafting an appearance and an image that other people would like and be attracted to. And my 30s have been about reclaiming my own sense of what makes me happy. And I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but I definitely find that when I talk to people who are in their 50s and 60s, they say something very similar where the trend of life as one gets older and older is a diminishing of thinking about and caring about what other people say about you. It's stopping people pleasing. It's living for yourself. And that is freedom. I had such a really amazing fun time in my 20s. I think about how I could stay out and drink all night and have no consequences to my body and how social I was and how much fun I had and also how bright-eyed and optimistic I was. But this trade-off of getting older but also getting wiser and putting an end to people-pleasing means that I wouldn't trade that experience for the one that I'm in now, no matter the benefits of being younger I really love the progressive work that I've made to become less and less of a people pleaser. And even though I'm not perfect right now, and maybe I'll never be because it's so ingrained, but I always think to myself, if I'm just getting 2% better every day, then that's amazing. That's good enough for me. Okay, now the third out of four steps for not taking shit anymore is to get really good at your boundaries. And so much is said about boundaries. I did an episode on boundaries a few months back, and it was based on this amazing book called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. But I have to say it now too, because a huge, huge part of not taking shit in your life anymore is to get really clear about what feels good for you and what are hard and fast rules, and then not letting people stomp over those boundaries. And the question is, okay, what are boundaries? We'll do kind of a quick review. I generally think of boundaries as falling into one of four categories. The first is physical boundaries. And that means what do you feel comfortable with? How much personal space do you want? What type of touch is appropriate? How much distance do you need physically between yourself and another person? Also, I think of boundaries as relating to oneself. So what are the boundaries that you want for yourself in terms of how much sleep you get every night, what foods you put into your body, how you take care of yourself, and 
at a minimum, how much effort do you need every week to dedicate to self-care and really tending and nurturing yourself? So can you make these decisions for yourself and hold really hard and fast to these stakes in the ground for what it is that you need to be happy? The second are moral boundaries. So what are your values? What happens if someone crosses those? And how do you address any discrepancies that you see out there in the world? And for me, this has become a real work in progress. Something I think about often is when I worked in a job before I started my own company, we were reviewing a slide deck that another company had sent us. And there was some imagery there that I found to be not only racist, but trivializing the experience of slavery. And I won't go into it too much, but it was essentially a slide deck with an image. And I called it out in the meeting and I said, I think this slide is quite offensive. And everyone else in the room said, no, I think you're overreacting. I don't think this is a big deal. And I went to my friend who I knew saw the world more similarly to me than maybe everyone else in the world. And I said, hey, you know, I really want to explore this with you. So will you show this slide to your friends who are African-American and ask them what they think about the slide and see if that changes your mind? So he did. And then he came back and he said, Liz, you're right. The people I showed this slide to were deeply offended by it. And I will go and talk to everyone else and share with them that I have changed my opinion now that I've had more information. And it was interesting because in that experience, it was very awkward when I brought it up in the meeting, but I felt like I had a boundary there. And if I didn't say something, then it would erode how I thought of myself as a person. And ultimately nothing changed. The company still went ahead and made the decision that they always were planning to, but that was at least information for me that they were not going to respect the same boundaries that I had, or rather they just didn't have the same boundaries that I had. The third type of boundary is emotional. So what are the boundaries that you've set in place for your feelings and your thoughts? And are you able to separate your feelings from someone else's feelings? Are you able to know that you are not responsible for the way that someone else feels? Meaning that it's not your job to make them happy. It's not your job to prevent them from feeling pain. And then it's also not your job to fix their lives for them. The final type of boundary I think about is even financial. So what are your boundaries for yourself in terms of how much money you dedicate to different parts of your life? And also what are your boundaries in terms of lending or giving money? What feels right and what feels fair to you? The thing about boundaries is that they are like walls. They decide what we let in and what we keep out of our lives, but we cannot put a wall up unless we know where we want it to go. So I want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks or maybe even during the holidays to think about the parts of your life where you feel like your boundaries are most trampled and then see if you can articulate and actually codify what those boundaries are, write them down, have them in a place where you can see them so that they become tangible and they become real so that when they are crossed, you definitively know that they have been violated and you know that you have to do something about them. For me, I need to put in better boundaries around work. So shutting off of email at a certain time, 
And even though I try to be largely available for my clients because they're often, you know, last minute emergency items that pop up, I'm building boundaries about when I respond, how I respond. I'm always checking in with what feels right to me. And then I'm also setting some boundaries so that I can put my own health and well-being first and foremost. So setting in stone how much exercise and how much nutrition and how much good, nourishing, sustaining food I need to cook for myself every week in order to really support and love myself. Usually when we get really busy or very stressed out, our boundaries are the first thing to go, both with other people and for ourselves. So when you are embarking upon moments that feel very stressful or very taxing for you, then make sure that you're just earmarking a little bit of time to clarify what boundaries you want to keep during this experience of time, and then making sure that you're checking in and seeing if you're upholding them. Okay, so number four, the last and final way that you can stop taking shit in your life is something that my husband calls tolerations. He wrote about it in a book that he wrote called 50 Ways to Get a Job. And it's this idea that tolerations are these little things in our lives that are irksome and annoying, that don't feel good. But oftentimes they're so small or so seemingly small that we just live with them. But the problem is we often have several of them, if not dozens of them in our lives. And so they build up and they build up and they build up. And the result is a life that doesn't feel frictionless. It actually feels kind of clunky and annoying. Here are some examples of tolerations. One, I do not have enough phone chargers at my house. So I'm always trying to find phone chargers. If I sit down to do a little bit of work on my computer, my phone dies, then I'm running into my bedroom to try to find a phone charger Then it's nighttime, my phone goes dead, I want to charge my phone, I have to go scrounging around the house to try to find where the phone chargers are. And all of this could just be solved if I bought two more phone chargers, but I haven't done that. Another thing is that the accounting system that I use to manage my invoices for my business is just horrible, it's so clunky. And I really want to switch at the end of the year, but I've been living with this annoyance for so long. And it seems to me like a big headache to try to find another system and to switch. So I've just been living with this toleration in my life. Another toleration is I have this standing monthly meeting and nothing ever happens during this meeting and I just need to cancel it. I also have a client where I feel like we haven't really made progress and we haven't formed the bond that I have with my other clients. And I just don't think that the process is working but I've been putting off having that conversation with them. And every time I look at my calendar and I see our standing client sessions, I just feel this sense of stress and dread, but it's been weeks now and I haven't done anything about it. So we all have these in our lives. The way that you can think about them is that they're like tabs in your browser that just stay open because they never get resolved. (laughs) And then you add more and more tabs, more and more tolerations until your whole browser just starts going really slowly and then eventually freezes and crashes because it's just taking up too much space on your computer. Think about how much more room 
you would have in your mind and in your life if you took all these little tolerations that you've been living with and annoy you and you suddenly were able to free yourself of them. What Dev recommends in his book is just to take a day, like a Saturday or a Sunday, and then you get all the tolerations dealt with in one fell swoop. So while they're too small to sort of take time out of your day to handle on their own, if you batch them all together, then it makes it worth your time. And then once they're all handled, suddenly you feel how fresh and light your life becomes without the tolerations in them. We will always have a number of stressors or challenges in our lives that are completely out of our control. It's just a part of life. It's a part of being human, that there are things that are imperfect that challenge us to grow all the time, and we can never get away from them. And so why would we keep hanging on to the things that we actually can change? We already have so much shit to deal with anyways. Why even add more shit onto that than you can take care of? So that's the whole idea behind tolerations and even more broadly behind this whole topic that we're talking about today of not taking any more shit in your life. To recap, these are the four ways that you can stop taking shit. The first is to speak your truth no matter what, to say something when you see it, and no matter if it makes people uncomfortable or if it causes issues, you have to stick to your guns. You have to respect yourself and communicate whatever it is that needs to be said in the world. The second is to put an end to not just people-pleasing, but also more largely fixating on what other people think about you. Once you can stop doing that, your whole life opens up. It's about not censoring yourself on social media or in conversations because you're worried about how the other person will feel. It's letting go of anxiety about whether or not people will like us. And finally, it's about no longer putting ourselves second to the feelings and needs of others. Number three is about boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So getting crystal clear on what it is that is a hard and fast rule in your life. What are the stakes in the ground that you're going to set for what you need to feel great and then sticking to those? And then finally, four, it's about removing all those little annoying tolerations from your lives. And they can be as small as phone chargers to as big as letting clients go. The other day, I was in a restorative yoga class and we were holding these poses for a really long time. Something that the teacher said really struck me. And she said, please, please adjust if you feel uncomfortable in any way, you do not have to live with discomfort. And I think that that is really true. And obviously I'm a big proponent of working hard and pushing forward, even when things are tough. But on the other hand too, I think we accept too much hardship in our lives that doesn't belong there. We really sacrifice ourselves so that we don't make other people uncomfortable or we don't make the situation weird. And we take on a lot of stuff and we just power through it. We grit our teeth. We repress our emotions and our feelings. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do that anymore. You do not have to make your life more uncomfortable than it already is for the sake of preserving someone else's feelings. I'm here to tell you that you should be making waves, that you should be speaking your mind and you should be pushing people's envelopes. And none of this is to say that you have full permission just to be a complete and utter jerk or to purposely hurt people's feelings, but rather to ask yourself where you might be holding on to 
pain or hardship or trauma that doesn't actually belong to you? Where might you be martyring or sacrificing yourself for others when you don't need to be doing that anymore? Where are you taking shit in your life that you don't deserve? As you make this transition into your life of not taking shit anymore, it might be really upsetting for the people who are around you who are used to you behaving a certain way in a way that caters to their needs and it will be upsetting for them. But I just want to tell you that on the other side of things, you will have true and amazing friends who want you to speak your truth, who want you to be you, who care that you have boundaries and will respect them. And I've been so blown away by all the amazing people who have come into my life this year who are relatively new friends who do this work too, who are really clear and firm in their boundaries, who make a focus on not people-pleasing, who really speak their minds, stand up for their values. It's what we always say in the law of attraction, which is that like attracts like. So the more you're putting a specific energy in the world, the more it's mirrored back to you. And I found this to be so true when it comes to my relationship dynamics. The more I'm actually strong about myself, even though some relationships have faded away, the more I attract incredible friends and people who stand up for me, who believe in me, who care about me and respect my wishes. The other day, I had to put a proposal in front of a client for a scope of work that was more long-term than I usually do. So with my one-on-one clients, I have a very specific pricing model that I don't deviate from and I have a strong boundary there, but I didn't have as much experience in forming this type of contract. So I called one of my friends who I know is so good with her own boundaries and so firm and she doesn't take shit from anyone. And I asked her, what do you think I should charge here? And she basically said, I think you should be charging three times what you've put on paper right now. And it scared me, but she really pushed me in a direction where she saw me and she saw my strengths and talents. And she said, Liz, your time is worth so much. After talking to her, I came up with a new price. I put that in front of the client and they didn't even balk at all. And it was all because of my friend's encouragement. She herself is a woman of very strong and clear boundaries. She stands up for herself and she mirrored that behavior back to me and it wound up in a really, really good outcome. So I just want to tell you, don't worry about how other people will respond. There will be other people out there who lift you up and empower you. So that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. We have a new one come out at the beginning of every month. And if you have questions for the podcast that you want to ask, then there's a link in the show notes where you can submit any questions that you have and have a great Sagittarius season. May you be your most direct, free-thinking, honest, and frank self. And as always, I want to remind you to love yourself, to listen to yourself, and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. I look forward to seeing you all again in two weeks. Oh,